Hello and welcome back to the Wide World of Wargaming, Age of Sigmar podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Gonzalez, with our uh, fellow hosts, John, Jeremy, and Garrett. Uh, on this episode, we are going to take a dive into two of the uh, newest battle tomes, both the Ogre Ma tribes and uh, Asiarch Bone Reaper battle tome. <laughs> but uh, we're also going to say hi to Jeremy because it's been a minute. And, uh, you know, of course, he has had some things go on, especially with uh, his great win at SoCal Open. And we'll be taking a look at uh, Jeremy's, uh, uh, you know, record. And then uh, we'll be talking a little bit to Garrett about his uh, prep for the, I believe, final major of the season before LVO. But uh, first and foremost, John, what is on your workbench? Hey, Alex, how you doing this week? Well, I tell you what, uh, it is, you know, uh, uh, post-SoCal Open, so I was taking a little break from gaming myself. I actually uh, had some major, major hobby progress this week in so much as I cleaned my hobby room, and I actually have my entire paint workbench over there is completely cleaned and organized and over here my hobby building workbench is also completely cleaned and organized and uh, I celebrated by building some models this weekend so that was that was pretty awesome you know our listeners out there who have stuck with us for a while may notice that we are finally here at episode number 42 and I know those that have been listening for a while expect us to have given you the answer to life, the universe, and everything by now. And I tell you, if you keep listening to this, you will get all of the <laughs> answers. So <laughs> uh, besides that, I have a little bit of the St. George's single malt whiskey on my bench, just enjoying a little shot. And I think I'll read from the side of the bottle here. And it says, we pledge to craft quintessential spirits to delight hedonists and genius bartenders alike. So thank you, St. George's. And with that, Garrett, my friend, we haven't heard from you in a minute either. What are you up to? What is on your workbench? Oh, boy. Well, um, quite a bit. Uh, I am preparing for Du Bois GT. My uh, good friend Matthew Barker has finished painting all of my models required for the GT, and he's working on my woods, which I should be getting soon. Uh, I've been getting in a bunch of practice games with the Sylvaneth, really liking how they're working out. Um, and I have my brother in town, and he's also going to be going to the Du Bois GT. So we are quickly. No way. Yeah, we're quickly getting uh, his. Well, he's going to use my corn army. We're going to be running a Tyrants of Blood list. And so my brother has been bringing his fantastic building talents, and we've been able to magnetize things, uh, gap fill things, and all sorts of the hobby stuff that I tend to shy away from. And uh, I'm just helping paint up and. You know, get get a bunch of stuff up to speed, and then we're building up his Beast of Chaos army that he's hoping to start playing soon. So, been getting a lot of hobby time in with my brother, um, doing a lot of house chores, and just getting through life. Uh, I and uh, yeah, just really excited for Du Bois GT this weekend. Uh, hey, hey, Garrett, really Garrett, excited. Garrett, wait, wait a yeah. second, Garrett. Garrett, I, let me interrupt you here. You said that Logan is is out there hobbying with you and and building stuff, and he's actually going to play some games. Is this correct? This is correct. He is out here hobbying, and he is going to go to a five round seventy person GT this weekend. Oh my gosh, I insane. am beyond excited, man! Logan Mulroney back on the competitive scene 
watch out, people. That's all I got to say. And this man <laughs> has time to actually dedicate to this hobby. Yeah, Jeremy, Le Bogeyman, you are nothing. <laughs> Especially when he Excellent. gets the Slash Army back from uh, Schwartz. Oh, you know, I tell you what, running anything, I imagine he's going to do well. That That's super exciting news. Uh, tell Logan, uh, you know, high five him for me and tell him I, I look forward to uh, hearing uh, his escapades as he starts rolling dice again. That's awesome. Yeah, it's actually been really fun uh, seeing him pilot my corn army of tyrants of blood that I've never used. Uh, I've never played the tyrants, and he's definitely uh, found out some fun tricks and ways to use them. So it's just been a real blast. Um, oh, that's really awesome. ex- I am also really excited to go up with James, who has decided to bring a Cities of Sigmar list that was not yet built, bought, or painted as of a week ago. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) That is fantastic. As of the list submission deadline, which I think was like two Fridays ago, he did not own any of the models that he had for his cities of Sigmar list that he was going to bring to Du Bois. So this yes. is going to be a, I think he's going to paint in the car ride up to Du Bois on Friday. Hey, this is the true test of the contrast paints. And I'll tell you what, I just got the video the other day from James completing his uh, Don't Fear the Reaper challenge. And uh, he took that with classic style. So I imagine he will have everything not just painted, but painted well in time for the GT. <laughs> when am I ever going to get some uh, peppers from you? You know I love spicy peppers, right? I, You know, you never asked. You literally never asked. You know I what? I keep forgetting every time that you uh, make them to ask for them. I always forget whenever you... Uh, do the harvesting of peppers. Whoa, 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 I, I tell you whoa. what, Garrett, I am down to I am down to 15 peppers on this plant. I got five of them going to Michael Tempe. The rest are for you. Awesome. Ooh. That's exciting. I'll make Excellent. a chili or not. I'll do nachos with James. I'll figure out something. Excellent. Super That'll be excited. awesome. You, you will really love them too. They are uh, they're at a heat that's enjoyable, shall we say. Awesome. <laughs> well, enough about me and all of my goings. Jeremy. What's going on with you these days? Well, after winning SoCal Open, I decided to uh, go into a retreat to uh, reflect upon my mistakes during the <laughs> tournament. Uh, oh man, you know, a very very zen, uh, you know, you know, monk style. Uh, but um, no, actually, what's on my workbench is uh, Balmore, age twelve years old, whiskey. I finally hit the weight goal I needed to hit for me to start drinking again. So I'm pretty happy. Um, and, uh, I'm, uh, I'm working on building up some Imperial fists. So I know like it's not age of Sigmar, but I, uh, you know, like I gotta, I gotta go for a twofer, right? I, if I win ITC this year for AOS, I gotta go for 40 K the year after and just go for, you know, I want to have that mental. It's probably not going to happen, but you know, you gotta try. You gotta try. Well, I mean, like the rest of the hosts on this podcast, you know, Garrett, Alex and myself have both won a best of faction in both 40k ITC and AOS ITC. I mean, have you done that yet? No, I don't think so. Mostly because I just I keep trying to play Harlequins and it never works. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> um, but for the most part, no, no. It just it, it would be a and also because next year I'm going to be traveling for Team America for AOS. So I don't know if I'm going to have much time to attend like a lot of like it, like basically aos event so i'm just I'm, I'm just picking up 40k as more of a hobby thing i don't think i'll place anywhere near the high but you know i'm looking forward to uh, uh pinning up some yellow or and some so for those who don't know i bought like basically three space marine armies in the span of like uh eight months i have 
I have an Imperial, I have an Imperial Fist army now. I have an Ultramarines army now, and I have an Iron Hands army now. So basically, I'm the worst kind of flavor. I'm the flavor, not vanilla. I'm the all flavor kind of guy. Just shove it in. Oh, that's my, awesome. My ice cream and it's just the whatever. Neapolitan. Yeah, put bacon. Sure, <laughs> you know, you know, you know. So just whatever you possibly you want. Pork belly, sure. Why not? Why not an ice cream? Why, yeah, why not? Let's give that. Oh, time. that's a great idea. The bacon marines put a bacon on the pauldron <laughs> and then you just play them for whatever's hot. Oh my lord. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Anyway, for my audience uh, and the our audience, um, I'm looking forward to LVO. This is probably the next tournament I'll be going to for AOS. So if you uh, want to come get an autograph, uh, you know where to find. Oh. Me. Uh, look for the very French-sounding guy with a bunch of fire slayers. Uh, other than that, uh, well, but what's on your workbench, Mister Alex? Bunch of Ossiarch Bone Reapers. Oh, my Lord. Let me tell you, I am pulling a James. I uh, was able to pull out a 2,000-point list for a GT this weekend, and I am going to bring Ossiarch Bone Reapers to the event. And uh, I honestly thought I was going to have to, like, go down to the wire and build everything at the very, very last minute. But, like, two-thirds of the army is already built, and really it's just about, like, waiting for certain models that are coming in the mail, and then, like, I'm totally all set to start, like, base coding. Um, so I've just kind of like been modeling like a madman this weekend and, uh, it's not going to be my overall competitive list, but it's something that works until I get all my models, which of course, you know, half the range or more than half the range isn't available right now. Yeah. What, uh, what are you actually assembling? Cause I'm like, I'm trying to guess like, like what? What's available today? The scenery piece and the the Mortec guards and the stock. Well, I've already been converting two Soul Masons for now. Even though I love the Soul Mason model, and I'm definitely going to get at least one. Um, I'm converting a um, old Tomb King Prince of Foyos for the um, into a Bone Shaper. Um, I have twenty. Um, I have 20 more tech guard all ready to go and, and do assembly painting. Um, I have the terrain piece almost completely ready to go. Um, I just need to figure out how I'm going to magnetize it for travel. Um, what else? Uh, uh, yes. Games Workshop yep. and their giant phallic terrain oh, piece. Oh, dude. It is, it is seven and a half inches on one side, and it is a square. So it is going to be a nightmare. But uh, if you guys read the terrain rules for the Necropolis or the, the Bone Tithe Nexus, uh, it doesn't have to be in your territory. It's literally just placed anywhere on the board, which is great because some uh, of the best – what's up? It's, it's, there's a caveat. Actually, it's, I think it's a foreshadowing of future terrain rules for factions. There's a key component in that thing. You place it before all terrain. Yep. Yep. I yeah, agree. Which, I agree. Uh, I, I, I think – it's very naive of GW to say that because it goes back to, I think, how GW wishes people would play the game where they have this idea that the players set up the terrain before every game and it's part of the game to set up terrain. But that's, that's just not feasible. Every game. That is every, every non-tournament game I've played, though, Garrett. Every yes. non-tournament game follows those rules. But as we all know, that's yeah. not feasible in tournament play. Exactly. And like, that's where I think it's just like Jank Games Workshop is making these matched play rules for, you know, competitive tournament play. 
And then they keep making these rules where it's like, oh, yeah, no, you set up terrain with your opponent as part of the game. And it's like, that's I not, I don't, no, think that's that's not a, I don't think that's a problem in the, in the even in competitive uh, AOS, like just having like whatever. When you walk up to a tournament table, just taking turns, deploying a piece of terrain on each. Like, you don't you don't even know what the deployment's going to be like. You don't even know what type of material terrain it's going to be. So it's like, who cares? Like, just no, keep, that's way too long. Too much yeah, time. It's, it's, it's too time consuming. That's another 20 minutes off the front. It's total gameplay. You know, the way I look at this thing is, is when we go back to 40K and they started allowing large terrain pieces, most of the tournament player uh, TOs basically said, yeah, if you're going to play the large terrain piece, you remove one piece of terrain, you put your piece of terrain in that place. And I am already planning at the tournaments I run that that's exactly what it's going to be. The tables are going to be set. But if you're an Aussie Arc Bone Reapers player, you basically get to put your your tithe or whatever, your temple, wherever you want it. <laughs> and if you have to remove up to one piece of terrain to do that, you can. Okay. okay. That's fair. Okay. That. That's I fair. I, I mean, I'd still prefer if GW would make rules where they didn't need to have us do that. But I'd, I'm okay with that um, house rule. That, that seems very reasonable. Yeah, I think that's right. pretty reasonable Problem too. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's... It's going to be a real interesting one, especially with that rule. But um, yeah, the thing is just a huge motherfucker. And uh, building that is, <laughs> is interesting. Uh, I am actually taking uh, – I was trying to figure out what to do with it because it is a giant kind of a statue with four pylons. And I like the pylons more than I like the statue. So I didn't know what I was going to do. And I was experimenting. I, I know I sent you guys a few photos about like possible ideas. Yeah. And then there was the idea of putting like crystal in the middle instead of the head and not have any of the arms and maybe put crystals on the side. And then uh, I, I mentioned that in another chat and our friend and Warhammer hero, Jeremy Srofe said, Hey, you know, I'll just give you a few LEDs. And so I immediately went, Ooh, I need to have a conversation with John now because I got some LEDs with me now and uh, I'm, I'm probably going to do a little, little lighting effect. So it'll be, Excellent. Do you got a, uh, a programmable board or anything <laughs> built in like that? Are you just going to go for a static light? Oh, sorry. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> I was literally just given like <laughs> some like basic as LEDs. So like, <laughs> so John, gotcha. he's starting the conversations with you. It's your turn. It's now your turn to train him how LEDs actually are supposed to work. Get him the programmable board. You need to teach him master John. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let me let me see if I got a spare one over here. Maybe I'll send it up your way. Yeah. So the uh, mm-hmm. I was gonna say a cool idea for conversion too would have been instead of the statue, you get the flesh eater court like throne. Oh feature, yeah, 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 yeah. And use that as because it makes more sense for me as like like they're supposed to be like Babylonian conquerors and then like the bones are like basically their tithe taken and you're supposed to like kind of like kind of think like surrendering in front of like the the conquering like king right it's supposed to be like like this is like their gifts for like basically you know the homage the tribute and so forth it would have been a good idea to, it would have been i i think if i built those socks that's probably what I would do. sorry <laughs> that makes sense let's be real jeremy i give it a month and you're gonna start building them oh no slaves of darkness comes out by then yeah i'm sure i'm gonna be too okay two months give <laughs> it two months and you'll two start building them. two months is reasonable um yeah so i got all that on my workbench i'm gonna have to pick up oh i also have a soul screen bridge that i'm using uh especially after socal open and watching uh greg's entire army be eligible to move through it i was like oh that's gonna be really useful for my army um 
And uh, yeah, yeah, gonna gonna have a very casty heavy Ossiarch list, uh, especially since I don't have access to Catacross yet. So it'll be uh, it'll be real fun. It'll be real interesting. I'm excited to to run it. But that is what is on my workbench as well as some uh, some wine tonight. But uh, yeah, we're not here for uh, we're not here to talk about all my hobby progress and all that jazz. We're here to talk about. Hey. Everything else, basically. <laughs> now, Jeremy, you did win uh, SoCal Open. Congratulations! Thank you. It was a it was a very very uh, easy victory. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, with that win, Jeremy, uh, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of hot competition for you at SoCal Open. Um, how did that event go for you? Uh, it went pretty smooth. I, uh, I'm, I, you know, I was hoping to play a lot more, uh, Sinesh players, Edenite players. I only played, uh, one, uh, in fact, like, I think some of the Edenite players were like, ref- like, were really trying to avoid playing me that tournament. Uh, <laughs> you know, looking at you, Chris Bergman, uh, and he managed <laughs> to, uh, dodge me, which is, uh, fine. It's fine. I'll see him soon. I'll see him at LVO. Uh, and that way he can't escape me. Uh, but, uh. No, I, you know, the only memorable, like, I would say, sorry, like, it's not like oh, none of my games are not memorable. It's just like for, for the ones that were for the prize for for all the marbles was played a, a gentleman, and I'm sorry that your name escapes uh, escapes me, but we played uh, in the last round, for, and he played Flesh Eater Court with a, not a Gristle Gore list, but a, but a um, what's their name, Blister Skin list with two, two Gold Kings on Terror Guys. And Robert I, Snyder. Robert Snyder. Yeah, it was Robert. Thank you. And a ton of um, of uh, crit flares, and it was he he took the first turn, and you know I think I I think I even remember telling him like so like this is how this my army plays like I you don't really want to charge them like right at the gate you want to kind of play KG because uh, he's never played against fire slayers before and oh, no. he basically committed to the he's like I don't know I'm gonna see for myself how t- tough they are. So he threw everything at me. Uh, only the terror guys got into combat. The crit players failed their charge, uh, and they swung into the giant blocker her guard. I think killed like five, and with two activations. And then one terror guys blew up on uh, my turn, and the other terror guys was basically like already at half strength, like or reduced to very like not not relevancy. Um, and then I won the initiative. Uh, no, I won the initiative, but I think I gave him the turn. So then he charged the rest of his army into my into me, uh, and they just bounced off. And that basically was the end of the game. Like I, he was no way. He he had like he was just trying to play for tertiary. He gambled on like trying to basically nuke me off the table, and it didn't work. And that's that's all she wrote basically. Um, there was one game I would say on this memorable event was that one against my uh, Slanesh player. He was trying to play KG and trying to run run down the clock, uh, but then he left a, a little bit like he he did an interesting thing where he tried to farm depravity points off my Hearthguard block by charging a Chariot inside, but he did it in a way where he clipped only like a weird corner of my you block, which I think in his head was like to reduce the amount of hitbacks I would do to it, which was advantageous to me because it gave me an effectively with my double activation an extra like six inch pylon yeah and that put during my turn that put me into like charge range of um his objective which is i believe the mission we're playing is where there's only two objectives and if you own both of them at the top of turn three 
or any at any part, uh, you know, anytime after turn three, you win the game. And at that point, I was just like, okay, there's like 30 demonettes on this and like one hero. Uh, and I'm about like 18 inches away from them. So I'm going to pop my movement rune and and get my run in charge and see if I, you know, the gamble pays off, the gamble pays off. And it did. Made my charge. Wiped out the demonettes. Game over. Like the problem is it kind of robbed me of scoring more secondary points because of how the format works. But it was just like, I'd rather go for the full win blowout and get the max points from the primary uh, then try to gamble for like more secondary points, so I just mm. went for that. It's it's anticlimactic. That's why I hate that mission. But I get what I get. Why Teal was wanted on the last mission of day one. It just makes the game super quick, right? So, um, yeah, there's there's that. I, I'm not a big fan of of that mission myself, but yeah, I've I've had you know, John, I've had two events where I literally that's exactly what happened. I just got top of turn three and just walked over and won the game. I, I feel like that happens far too often on that mission since you can score at the top of your turn. It just comes down to who wins turn three priority. And and it, just, and it is a good position, basically. Yeah. yeah. Even if yeah. you're in a bad position, all you got to do is beat your opponent by one model on every objective and you win. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. It's not a it, – that mission is just for me not an enjo- a positive enjoyment for anybody. Uh, it just – I don't know. I, I just don't like it. I don't like, yeah, I don't super, like that kind of – Super life. binary. Yeah. I, I did like what uh, what Scott did for us though is at least in the uh, he kind of made it depend on whether you won on turn three, four, or five was actually how many points you scored. So I thought that was a, an interesting yeah. twist. That was good. I enjoyed that, but it, it, it and that's why basically I instead like I, if it was a normal mission, I actually would have thought about like not t- like winning on turn three and try to maximize my secondaries. But because there was an advantage in points of winning on turn three, I said screw it. I'll just take the gamble for turn three even though it was a pretty safe gamble. So I don't know. I just, overall, I really liked Scott's format. Uh, I don't have a lot of complaints about it, except for the fact that like, it's once again, like I said, I think uh, two podcasts ago, the format of it just reinforces people who win big. Like it just, it double benefits them. And I I don't know if that's the right way of going about it. Right. As opposed to a a more binary system, like we've been talking about uh, for most of the summer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have I have lots to say on this whenever I'm given my soapbox. I guess <laughs> you get no soapbox. No, honestly, it's 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 long overdue that we should do a special episode where we dive right into scoring mechanics. I myself uh, love to have this discussion, as you know, Garrett. You love to have this discussion, and uh, you know everyone else can listen to us have that discussion. So <laughs> or maybe, or 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 maybe they could join in. Yeah. Maybe it could happen. It, it's theoretically possible. But but Jeremy, getting back to your win in, in SoCal here. OK, so look, I mean, Chris Powell was your round three with Slanesh. Right. But I'm looking at, at the people you faced and round one, you were against uh, Josh Rodriguez with his uh, Caradron overlords. And round two, you had Chris Hernandez with his Seraphon. And uh, those are usually pretty shooty armies. And that, you've said again and again, is the weak spot for your army is against a shooting army. Um, but man, you were telling me there was no challenges for you day one. You just walked through them. So were these guys just not holding their own? Have you, have you kind of figured out the secret against shooty armies? Was that just a little bait and switch to get people to bring shooting against you when you're actually super good against it? What's going on there, Jeremy? I, I actually don't count the first game at all because we played on the Realmscape feature, which was Ugu and prevented max range to 18. Oh. Like, oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> it, uh, oh. Like, Caradon Overlord matchup. Like, 
And the problem is, like, not only was an 18 limited, but he also played the Deep Strike very specific, or sorry, coming off reserve uh, version of uh, KO, which means they're usually an 18-inch range anyway, but it was just like, it's like they get that one turn, and they better double turn me, because if they don't, they're just going to lose that, mate, like, that, 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 that. Yeah, they're going to lose hard. So, because they're too close to you at that point, right? Yeah, yeah. And then for for um, my matchup against Terraform player, uh, once again... Explained to him like what my armies are, and he even told him like what he should be worried about, and what he ended up doing was not listening to me, and oh. instead of like using his engine the god triggers to lightning bolt, uh, basically my characters, he was using it to yep. keep summoning skinks, which uh. is fine if your strategy is to get points and delay me, but the problem is he got a little bit too excited with movement and put himself in a position. Where I managed to, he had like multiple screens of skinks, but with my double activation hearth guards, I was able to basically almost remove, I think like 60 to 80 skinks on that one combat phase. Oh, man. <laughs> so it was just bad positioning from him. Uh, and, I mean, it's just something you learn from experience. Like after, you know, even though you tell him like, hey, you know, this is like effectively five inch reach. And like, he just, you know, didn't really like, it didn't click in his head effectively. Uh, and then he didn't focus the characters enough in the shooting. Like he, he did nuke one, my general on turn two of, an, of a bolt. Uh, he literally like did D six mortal wind swing and he rolled a six and goodbye. I didn't make any uh, of my like look at certain mechanics saves. So just that's it. Um, and like, but that was really about it. And then he's just didn't shoot at him because the, the, the minus one to hit the minus one to wound from the general, if it, when it was still on the table, Plus a look at sir, I think deters your opponents so much that they don't try. But I'm like, they're the, the first target is you kill the bodyguards that give out the look at sir mechanics mm-hmm. with shooting, and then you start nuking the heroes. I I honestly think when Alsak Bone Reapers come out after a month or two and they people get practice enough, they just realize like, I'll just take the gash, I'll just bring the gash, yeah, to every game, and I'll just nuke all the heroes on the table. And I win the game that way. And yeah, it's just, just you know, eleven arcane, eleven arc, or eight arcane bolts or whatever. Yeah, eight, and you take arcane, and then you're like, you got eleven, and you can totally do that in a legal list. <laughs> uh, so like, I I don't know, like it, it, people will figure it out eventually. I just I can't keep harping on this. Like you, if you want to beat fire slayers, you don't try to nuke them on turn one. You focus on chipping away the characters, and then when you get into a point where. I have to overextend character auras. Like you can basically take advantage of that, but no one seems to listen. Or if they're if they're if they're not listening to a podcast, they should. <laughs> so um, well, this goes this goes back to the tried and true thing that we've talked about multiple times in the show, where people like you and, and our good friend Vlad, and you know people who they legitimately want to be helpful. They want to actually, you know, you're, you you. We've talk, played plenty of games, and you've gone like Alex, don't overextend yourself on turn one, and then I overextend myself, and you're like what did i just tell you and i'm just like the hell i'm gonna listen to my opponent you know give me advice <laughs> about how to beat him but like you legitimately do that and and no one takes your advice so like hey it's on them yeah i mean i started off with like please do not read too much into this i'm not trying to play mind games with you but like i legitimately don't think this is a good idea because of xyz reason and they 
they they look at me and I'm like, I can't tell if he's playing mind games or not. And I'm just like, God damn it. <laughs> so, I, I that, is the, I... that is the mind game is that I'm telling you a better way to play your army than you can. Now, now on the flip side, people often ask me, well, John, oh, you got all those rats. How do I beat your army? And, um, and I lie. I absolutely <laughs> lie. I do not tell them how to beat my army. I give them bad advice all the time. <laughs> I I don't ever I don't do these sweeping at the start of the game kind of like make sure you I'm not trying to play mind games but I do many times they're like about to do something and I'm like you know that if you do that I'm going to do this to you are you sure you want to do that and they go oh right and then they don't do it and I I don't know I let I let my opponents know like yeah you know you're going to do that and that's like going to be an illegal move or you know you're going to do that and you end up going to be like out of range i love i constantly tell my opponents when they're making like a huge mistake and then they listen to me so i don't know what you're talking about jeremy my opponents listen to me and then beat me all the time <laughs> I, I don't know man like i i, I honestly think it's because if i played an army that was more popular people would not second guess myself me as much it's because like most of my opponents like so at socal open i think out of the Five opponents I've played, four of them have never played against Fire Slayers. And I think they just didn't take me at my word for when I told them, like, like how to beat this list. Like, I think they just – they were so much out of their comfort zone, they just weren't quite sure what to believe. And they wanted to experience it firsthand. I'll tell you right now that Seraphon player is never making that mistake again. Like, yeah, <laughs> totally. Jeez. <laughs> so, I mean, like, when, when you really think about it, we could get advice from Garrett – the altruistic inventor of the BCP app and generous person who gave this app to all of us, or we could take advice from Le Bogeyman. (laughs) (laughs) There might be something there too. (laughs) I mean, Le Bogeyman has a better record than me, so let's be real. You should be listening to the guy who has a tried and true record versus the guy who goes one and four with corn and dies no no i i listen to jeremy believe me <laughs> good advice is good advice <laughs> i just i you know so once again for my for repeating for the audience if you play me and i tell you how to beat my army i'm not trying to trick you yep, like it's yep. just literally i'm just tired of winning no i'm just trying to get the most challenging game i can like the entire weekend i was harping on playing greg geode because i thought his list was like literally the counter to my army and i never got to play him and i'm yep. sad about that so i was looking forward to that game. anyway um that's it for my weekend guys i don't know like i had fun it was great seeing everybody delmar sucks i hate that place i'm never <laughs> yes, going back yeah. to that place sorry i should refrain i'm going back to socal but I'm not going to expect any bars to be open past bloody 11. Oh, my God. What is wrong with that place? What, does no one drink in that city? I don't understand. Yeah. Well, th- I will say that one Mexican place we went to on the last day was pretty good. They didn't have a full bar, unfortunately, but they were at least pretty good. <laughs> I, just, I think they, I was, were, they were new, and that's why they didn't have a full bar. Yeah. Yeah, they said they were part of their soft opening still. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> just, I just I – was, I was like we went to like – four different no three different bars before we found one that was open uh i don't know it was just it's just it was such a weird like experience for me i I live in portland like my the bars here are open like all the bloody time so it's just i guess like it's it's just a weird difference like i just i guess i'm in a place where people don't like drinking so (laughs) yeah you know it's funny it's it's more like a little quiet coastal town kind of thing so del mar and a lot of the little 
coastal towns up and down California and even into Oregon have that kind of sleepy uh, getaway kind of feel to them. You know, they start early, they go to bed early. Uh, now, had we just gone about, you know, half an hour south, my wife was pointing out that there was a, a major uh, rave going on in downtown San Diego with, uh, you know, 10 different DJs and stuff. So that was happening too. <laughs> I, I get. I guess I would say, you no, know, for a quiet, sleepy place, Sean, as you put it, there was definitely that one bar where there's a bunch of forty-year-old swingers, and I will say, uh, I can't, I can't stress enough. Like, if you're looking for that, for like that experience in Del Mar, there is a <laughs> for you there. Oh my god. Yeah, but we're not allowed to go back anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, we can't go two up two episodes in a row. He got he got mad at me when he heard. I mean, actually, actually no, no, we totally can. Cody, Cody, come on, man. Come on, man. Oh, I'm not talking about that bar. I'm talking about Jimmy O's. Oh, my God. Remember, remember that bar we walked up to it outside? Oh. And like, what is going on in there? Holy God. <laughs> so, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. Well, you know, sometimes, sometimes people like to uh, hang out in the sleepy coastal town. Sometimes they want to. They want to be gluttons for punishment and uh, drink too much at a swingers bar, but uh, you know sometimes they want to be in a, a glutton in a different way, and uh, that leads us to our next segment. And of course, yeah, Ma Tribes came out uh, at the same time as Ossiarch for the Feast of Blow, uh, Bones box set, and you know it's it's great. I love the fact that ogres uh, now are are back in the game. You know, it's for a while it's like you see Iron Guts, and you're like, wait, that's still an army, and then you fight against. Uh, Beast, Claw, Beast Claw Raiders, and I, mean, I don't know about you, Jeremy or John or, or Garrett, but every time I fought against Beast Claw Raiders, I'm just like, okay, well, like here's here's a time for me to experiment on tactics that I never normally feel comfortable <laughs> playing because now I have I have this game that allows me to do that. You know, it's like the training mission. Yeah, game um, three of LVO this last year, I was against Beast Claw Raiders, and I was like, oh god, how did this guy get to game three with two and zero? Oh? What am I up to against? And then I just beat him. I was like, oh. <laughs> he didn't even know how he got there. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm I'm very excited that they're gonna they're they're getting all the goodies here. And you know, it is split up between uh, the Ma tribes themselves and the Beast Claw Raiders. So I'm glad that they they did in fact give Beast Claw Raiders some love too. But let's take a look a little bit at some of the allegiance traits here. Now uh, Jeremy, you've been nice enough to share a bit of information here regarding their battle traits. Um, looking at everything, though, I think you sent primarily the uh, they're just, they're one faction now. They're they're just one faction. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. You you can take Beast Claw and like Maw tribes now include Beast Claw. Like, yeah, okay. exactly. They're just ogres now. <laughs> they're just Fair. onions. Onions. <laughs> They're just onions. Okay, my bad. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Onions, onions. Okay. But well, but those... if you go Maw Tribes, pure Maw Tribes, then you can pick up a few extra benefits. Yes. Okay. Well, then let's dive in on some of these Allegiance abilities here. Now, you know, the first one that I'll bring up, and then, John, I'd like to see which one stands out to you. Sure. But uh, my, uh, my favorite one here is the uh, might makes right rule, which means that when you determine control of an objective, each ogre counts as two models instead of one, and an ogre monster, so, you know, your Stonehorn, your, uh, your, your Huskard on Thunder Tusk, they count as 10 models instead of one. And that's not something that degrades. It could have 12 wounds, it can have one wound. It counts as 10 models. I, I think that that's great. 
And it really helps helps keep them in the game, especially since they were such a low model count army. Uh, which one stands out to you? Is, is there an allegiance ability that really you think is a, a killer addition? Oh, you're talking about me? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so a- as I went through these, I-, I-, I could see that the entire focus of of really all of the-, the battle traits, allegiance abilities, is about getting close to your enemy, going in, doing lots of assault, and then kind of doing damage while you're in there. So there's there's you know things to amplify the- your ability to hold objectives. And for me, the one that it's right off the bat here, it's this grasp of the in- Everwinter. And basically the idea is that as the the as the army comes in and and you know gets into everybody's face that they're they're radiating cold and the longer you're around models from this army the more damage you start to take and so at the start of each of your hero phases roll one dice for each enemy unit within 3 inches of any so that means it's not a stackable ability beast claw raider units if the roll is equal to or less than the number of the current battle round that unit suffers d3 mortal wounds so turn one or two you're probably not going to do much by turns three and four you have a much higher probability and certainly turn five you are just radiating little auras of death around these guys so uh, i thought that was a pretty pretty cool effect you know that's one of those things that might just work to take that last wound off of a character uh or you know kind of set up some damage for a unit you're about to charge in on so uh so that was what caught my eye how about you garrett was there anything on this uh list that you said wow that sounds pretty powerful Oh, yeah. I am a huge fan of the trampling charge ability. Mm. This brings a very high mortal wound output to an army that has very few wounds, uh, very few models. Like, so this ability is whenever you make a charge move, uh, pick an enemy unit within one inch of the unit you charged, uh, on a, and you roll a number of dice equal to the unmodified charge roll. And on a, for each six, it do a mortal wound. If the unit that charged had eight or more models or was a monster, you had two to the roll. So for every four plus, you do a mortal wound. So you can take like a bunch of thunder tusks or stone horns and something and just throw those guys into units and then roll, you know, eight D six. If you got an eight on the charge, 96, 66. And for every four up, you're doing mortal wounds. So you're just blasting into guys and just hammering them with mortal wounds, which I think supplements a lot of the lack of rend in some of the, uh, like normal units in the book outside of like iron guts or something like that. So I think that is a fantastic rule that just brings that extra damage output that this low model count army needed. Jeremy, you seemed really excited about this book. What is your favorite thing about the allegiance uh, battle traits that you like? I mean, you, I mean, most of you guys covered the, all the <laughs> you know, most of them, but, but I'm surprised nobody listed the one that warmer community like talked about, which is, I mean, the most fluff fucking tastic, uh ogre trait you know if they're hungry they move faster if they're if they're eating they just get better like so it's just they have more like, bravery yeah yeah it's just like it, it's just the mechanic and there's a lot of like other abilities in the game depending like for your general for hero if they're eating they get a bonus if they're not eating then they they get a different bonus like it's just like it's just such a cool little like like you know, immersion mechanic in the game because it's just it just makes oh, totally. a lot of sense. It's just like you know, they're they're they, you look like a tasty piece of morsel across the table, so you know they want to get to you faster. Um, but you know, that's for me. That was my actually was my favorite like new allegiance mechanic. All the other ones were super solid. Um, 
but uh, just the fact that now they, you get to, you get to role play in the middle of the table as your general in the middle of combat. You can just pretend you're talking something stuffed in your mouth, like probably somebody's appendage or you know intestines, <laughs> like uh, just you know, and uh, you just have some fun with it. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I just the only thing I do wish they they did. Uh, as you'll notice, is that the only new model they did in this launch side, and we're talking about Legions, was the Mawpod. Great model, uh, the train feature, but uh, uh, they didn't add anything else. There's no other models, except for the Tyrant. I guess the Tyrant got an updated model uh, or a whole new War Scroll, but that, that's it. Like I kind of wish they they uh, they had a... I mean, we're, we're talking now, but the, the, the leaks, not the leaks, but the, the Warmer community posted the the, the new reinvigorated chaos uh, warriors, yeah, with new dynamic poses. I wish they did that for the ogres. Like, would it be awesome if like the like the regular ogres had like more dynamic poses, and then just looking like a bunch of guys from weights down that are just basically all the same. Uh, in like, their defense, they are releasing an entirely new model line faction of the Bone Reapers, and then the Slaves to Darkness updates after that. After an already incredibly busy year. I mean, hey, they're a miniature company, all right? Like, <laughs> I can expect whatever I want out of them. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so, New armies every month. Let's see it. Yeah, my pocketbook can't keep up, but, you know, it, it can't hurt for them to try. So that's my only hey, it, It's funny. You know, we, they got this uh, new great Maw Pot model, but have you guys actually looked at the rules for this thing? Yeah. It's so great. it does, oh, yeah. it, you know, basically does plus one casting or unbinding. And if an enemy model is slain within six inches of the pot, it's said to be full. And then a hero can basically uh, feed the army off of the pot and heal D3 wounds for everybody within 36 inches. So I thought that was a pretty cool uh, little mechanic. Now, I'll tell you what, if I'm playing against these guys, you better stay six inches away from that pot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot the uh, John. Can you reread the terrain placement for it? I forgot if that one can be. I thought I remember there being something funky about that terrain. That terrain placement for that one. Uh, let's see. It's a single terrain feature. It's an obstacle. Here we go. Um, after territories have been chosen, but before armies are set up, you can set up the great maw pot anywhere in the battlefield that is more than one inch from other terrain features and more than 12 inches from enemy territory and more than six inches from any objectives. Wow. 12 inches from enemy territory, six inches from objectives and one inch from terrain. You're not setting this thing up. <laughs> yeah, as 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 a Sylvaneth player trying to set up my original tree that has to be six inches from objectives, on some missions with the extra three inches from terrain features from the match play rulebook, I just ended up putting it literally in a corner against the board edge, just like I, I can't put it anywhere else. So that 12 Wait, extra inches from the territory. 12, inches, 12 extra inches away from enemy territory is going to hurt, and 6 inches away from uh, the table board is definitely going to hurt too, but you only have to be 1 inch away from terrain, whereas a uh, lot of the other ones the, say 3 the matched, inches away. The matched play rulebook adds a 3 inches from terrain restriction on top of all of your additional restrictions. Okay, except, for, except for Skaven's Knotholes. No, no, no. And, it's just terrain features. You're three inches away from any other terrain features and one inch from any objective is an additional uh, restriction on your faction terrain features. They got rid of the uh, board edge. Ter- they made Knotholes work because they got rid of the board edge restriction. Oh, uh, okay. 
Okay. Well, this is going to be a topic of discussion a little later on anyways, because there's a totally different one that came out too that has completely different setup rules, which makes things complicated. But um, yeah, wow. that It is a really great uh, added objective piece. And, you know, that is the only additional model besides uh, the, you know, gorgeous tyrant model, of course. Um, you know, and, and he himself, you know, a lot of us, I'm sure plenty of our listeners have already looked at the War Scroll, the updated War Scroll for the Tyrant well ahead of time. But um, I like his versatility. Oh, yeah. He's great. Uh, there's even a relic in there that gives him, like, a, a gun that, like, shoots, uh, I think, three shots or something like that and uh, instead of, like, his one shot. And it's just, yeah, no, he's got, yeah, the Tyrant is a great all, like, all, like, kind of, like, balanced, like, all cumbers hero. He's good in melee. He's good in. Sh- he's pretty good in shooting, and he's pretty durable. So, like, I don't know. There's nothing. I think it's just that guy's just great. You know, so. win, win, win. I like it. Oh, by the way, did you guys uh, notice the? Um, uh, oh, never mind. Never mind. Sorry, I'm getting ahead. No, no, it's okay. No, no, no. Let it out. <laughs> let it go. <laughs> uh, I am not going to let it go. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? You sound excited about something. I like it when John's excited. Oh, I was getting ahead of myself because I was thinking that the rule I was thinking of was part of the Ogre Maw tribes. And when I went to find it to re- read it, I realized that the rule I'm excited about is actually from the Ossiarch Bone Reapers. Oh. <laughs> and so that's what I was trying to say. Word. ahead of myself. But there you stuck me on the spot. Okay. And here I am exposed. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. My bad. My bad. Um, taking a look at some of these uh, other abilities here for the Ma Tribes, you know, diving straight into some of the specific sub-factions here, you know, if there are a certain amount of tribes that are dedicated specifically to the, uh, you know, the Beast Claw Raiders and some of them that aren't, um, you know, there's there's the Meat Fist Ma Tribe, we have that Blood, uh, the Blood Gullet Ma Tribe. A lot of these were already exposed on the Warhammer community articles as well. And, you know, they go over either a majority of, if not all, the rules in some of those articles. Um, if you were to start a competitive Ogre Ma Tribe army, Jeremy, French Overlord, Le Boogeyman, um, what would be your choice, like choice sub-faction here? I, you know, sub- I'm probably the wrong person to ask for this. No, because it's not like I don't have a choice. It's just that I, I, I'm so I'm so committed to like making an all cav army work uh, that the new uh, Maw tribe uh, and oh god, I'm having a mental block in their name. The ones let me check. There are called the Mornfangs. No, they're the ones that give an extra wound and mount trait to every like uh, to every thunder. Oh, you're talking the uh, thunder bellies, right? No, it's the one before the Sunder Bellies. They have like a helmet-looking thing. Mm. Ah, oh, the Boulder Heads. The Boulder Heads. Thank you. The Boulder Heads are basically they're 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 you know when you have a very mount-heavy possibility for heroes, they usually give a subfaction that gives like you you unlock mount traits for every one of them, like Gristle Gore, uh, Lafnir for um, uh, Fire Slayers. And this one is basically that one, except there's a there's an additional bonus. Uh, well, there's two additional bonuses. No need to get a mount trait for everybody, uh, as long as they're a hero. Obviously, they get an extra wound, um, which is bloody phenomenal. Uh, and their huskered, which are their priests, get plus one to cast on their prayer table. They're just mm-hmm. they're just probably by far my favorite because the the stone horn in that book went up in killing power. And durability so drastically, most people are gonna say, "Oh, well, I lose the ability to have damage taken." 
Okay, so now instead of half, you ignore a third because you have a five-up shrug instead of it removing it. Uh, but like you're walking around with, I think, fifteen wounds base and on a stone, uh, on a stone, uh, like most of the here, like fifteen wounds for the stone lord, sorry, frost lord, and then like fourteen for the huskard. So an extra wound on that thing is already like, an, you know, it's like bumps it up to like fifteen, sixteen, and then on top of that, there's some mount traits that give you another extra wound. So if you really wanted to, you could have like two extra wounds on all your heroes in that army walking around with a five-up shrug before anything else. Uh, I don't know. I just like an ethereal amulet stone, uh, frost lord on, a, uh, on that thing is bloody ridiculous. It's a three-up save that ignores Ren, five-up shrug, and like 16 wounds. So it's just, uh, it's terrifying. And, you know, it's hungry. So it gets, you know, extra movement in the two as well. So, you know, there's there's just like literally no downside to it. I, I Oh, I didn't think of that. Oh, man. So it's just, wow. it's just, I don't know. It, the and then you get the uh, artifact where its mount has plus one to hit. Yeah. So that stone horn is just now hitting even more. Jeez, that's terrifying. Yeah. And even like the, the command trait is really good. Like the additional pylon move is actually quite useful because there's a couple like as you as uh, I believe uh, uh, John read, there's the trampling charge mechanic, which means that like, people can remove models out of after you charge from the mortal wounds and that extra pylon is actually quite like useful to make sure your guys actually get to base and swing because like a big mourn fan pack like let's say six to nine men is actually kind of unwieldy to get everything into combat uh, with a three inch pylon so like it is nice to have that extra uh, pylon so i don't know that's a good point wow it, it's funny i could see using this uh re-roll charge ability to farm for more mortal wounds too oh i just got a three wait a second i can do better oh than john that. you would love it there's a mount <laughs> trait that basically says anytime the character charges that mount it counts as a seven like if you roll less than a seven for that distance so oh jeez! Like, oh my god! So, yeah, but th- as no, the the mortal wound roll says unmodified. Though. That one said it's specifically over. Like it's not a movement characteristic. It just says you're for that mortal wound mechanic. You always count as at least rolling a seven for the count. Holy oh, shit! <laughs> so do you also count as moving seven inches, no, no, or is no, it just for just, the? It's just for the mortal. Wound. Okay. Because I'll say, as a scale, as you, someone who's used the horn from skeletons for that six-inch charge, I can say if I got one extra inch on that thing, it would be phenomenal. A seven-inch charge is so nice. Mm. Yeah, yeah, gotta gotta agree with you on that one. So, um, and you know, the other reason I like that sub allegiance, guys, is that like there's already so many so many poor poor uh, Beast Claw Raider armies just sitting on the shelf collecting ether winter dust, uh, just looking for hitting the table again. Are you looking at that stone horn in your in your hobby room, like right there in the corner? No, I gave that away to Frank. So it's just gonna oh, be it. uh, it's gonna be great for all those guys who are looking to uh, make a comeback for that army, aka Jeremy Stro- uh, Jeremy uh, Strofe. <laughs> oh, you, you're in the two week period right now where people who are not going to be picking up the army but own old models are going to be looking to turn them over too. So uh, the market will be hot for a few weeks. Yes. The yeah. market has been hot, yeah. Yes. Uh, I feel like anybody who hasn't already sold their Beast Claw Raider army isn't going to. 
Yeah, you know. He, yeah, in other words, they they didn't see this book and go, "Okay, wait, I'm out." <laughs> yeah, like they, they, yeah, if they yeah. didn't <laughs> it long ago, back when the book when they were awful. Okay, I'm pretty sure okay. that they're not going to be like, "Oh, wait, no, this is even worse than my terrible Jeremy, book." You obviously haven't met Jeremy Strof, uh, a local guy here. Uh, he probably would be his first reaction was, well, "Not everybody's going to play them, so I don't want them anymore." So I'm going to sell them. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody yep, no, no. hipster. <laughs> oh man <laughs> oh yeah you know with this battle tome is there anything else that uh stands out to everyone any sort of favorite unit favorite sub faction a killer command trait i'm particularly actually i kind of like the iron the not the iron guts the uh the shooting guys uh, the lead belchers. the lead belchers like after i've kind of like thought about them and stuff i was like you know, if they don't move, you get D6 shots with each of them. They're actually – they're only a minus one attack to a normal uh, glutton. Like they're, instead of three attacks, they're two attacks at three, three, two damage. So they're not much worse than a glutton combat and they have a pretty decent shooting weapon. I'm actually kind of a fan of the lead belchers. Yeah, just a little short range with the 12-inch, but other than that, they look pretty solid. There is a sub-faction that bumps it up to 18 inches. I was about to say, there's de- yeah, that is that is one that's going to take people by surprise, I think. Yeah. What about you, John? Yeah. What is there any particular unit that you have just taken a small ch- fancy to or whatever? No, I honestly got to say, I haven't had a, much of a chance to go through the units in this one. I was focusing on the abilities and the front end. Uh, you know, for what it's worth, uh, I don't know why, but it was only able to buy this uh, this battle tome in the in the Azure app today. So uh, I've just like barely stuck my face in it. I tell you what, next week I might have a favorite unit. The week after that. I may have moved on. Uh, what I'm actually <laughs> looking forward to is uh, my good friend Bill Durrett. Uh, he is was building a uh, Ogre Ma Tribes uh, army. He was just starting on it about a month ago or so when we, we got our practice game in. And now that he's got a new book, uh, we've got to hit him up and uh, see what we can put together and see what kind of deadly stuff he can bring against mm, my uh, poor recruit, little rat man. Poor, recruit oh, yeah. another one. Con- convert, an- convert another 40K player. Yeah, you know it. Um, can I can I go again? There's another like thing I really want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, they brought back Noblars. Noblars they did in the game like i, I mean the they were keeper. they weren't called noblars but they did always have noblars they were oh. called grots before well they were always called noblar in sixth edition like, or yeah the end times i guess but you know i'm just glad they brought back like the iconic like little like uh you know what it's called uh scavenger goblins of the of the ogres uh, the question is are they gonna actually have models for them i don't actually know because i think the last because those are super out of production, yeah, I don't right? Think they make those anymore. So, yeah. well, they do have this Noblar scrap launcher, some kind of catapult. Yeah, that's still thing. around. It's the same one that makes the the big cannon on the on the. the oh, so it's, it's, that's that one. I don't think is going anywhere. But the the, the actual Noblar models on foot, I don't know what they're going to do with that, uh, since they just decided to reintroduce them to the to their to exist to existence effectively. Yeah, yeah, I'm really interested to see what they do with that. Um. It would be cool. I actually liked the old look of the Noblars. I like their kind of like goofy look, but they weren't completely looking like goblins. They were kind of like their own little yep. thing completely um, back in, in warmer fantasy days. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I'm not going to hold my breath to see if they make new models, but I think that there's a very specific reason that they have the grot keyword now so that people can just kind of like bring their grots into the game or gloom spite models and convert them a little bit and be like, these are my Noblars. Yeah, I think that's, 
I mean, they are grots in like species, but they're they're just different like factional grots, basically. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. Well, you know, I'm really excited to see Destruction players get a lot of love within the last couple of months between this and, uh, you know, of course, a War Clans that came out just uh, recently. Wow. So, hey, you know, what's they up? Up, what's up? They updated all the Destruction factions this year. They did. All yeah, of them. All of them. All three of all, them. Yeah. <laughs> all, all four. Four. All four. All, well, they basically, instead of making like, you know, Iron Jaws and Bone Splitter, they're like one book for you two. And then for Maw Tribes and Beast Claw Raiders, one book for you too. They're like, they're like, the Destruction Army, which obviously should be recalled the Discount Army, uh, Discount Factions, because you get two for one. Two for one. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that makes Destruction is by far the smallest um, major faction. Well, though, for a long right? time, I mean, Death was. Two, ba- two. But yes. Two, but there's two battle tomes. I mean, death has like three what, battle eight tomes. Or nine, three eight, battle nine, tomes. Gone. Three battle three. tomes. I work with lands. Gloomspite gets and uh, Ma tribes. Oh yeah, Gloomspite gets. That's who I was forgetting about. Yeah, okay, yeah. I think death Seven. is up to four now. I think they're at four. Legion, Nighthaunt, Flesh Eater. Yep, and Ossiard. Yep. Speaking of which, uh, you know, time for us to get our daily calcium intake. Let's talk about Ossiard Bone Reapers. You know, on second thought, we don't really have to talk about Ossiarch Bone Reapers. You know, quite frankly, everyone is truly talking about them, and they are the talk of the town. And, uh, you know, not even all the models are out yet. But, you know, I'm going to bring what I can to an event uh, called Wagapalooza in Moscow, Idaho, Moscow, Idaho, uh, this weekend. It's going to be a great time. The DMV crew is a fantastic group of people. They are some of the nicest people in the Pacific Northwest, uh, you know, among a community of nice people. So that just goes to show you how great those people can be. And uh, uh, but we can talk about my army, how we did, and maybe a little bit about OCR Bone Reapers for you guys next week. But, uh, you know, this weekend, the same weekend as Wagapalooza, we have Du Bois GT and uh, our good friend Garrett is going to that. And, you know, like you talked about earlier, you're bringing you're bringing our, our good friend, my other half of Team Pleasure Pirates, uh, Logan himself. Um, is James going? Yes, James is going. Logan, James, and I are all carpooling up Friday at noon, picking up James from work, and we're going to take the six or seven hour drive up to Rochester, New York. Wonderful. Wonderful. Tell us a little bit about that event. Well, this will be my first time going, so I don't know a lot about the event. I've heard really good things from a lot of the locals out here. Um, I think like Bill Souza, he's going, and he's uh, always really enjoyed it. Um, and the basement war gamer guys have always seemed to really enjoy it. And so I've heard really, really good things. Sounds like a fantastic event. It's apparently held in a resort hotel of some sort in Rochester. I've always wanted to go to this event since I've moved out to the East coast. Uh, but this will be the first year I'll actually have the time to make it out. Uh, they hit their cap of 72 players on ticket sales, um, I know they had a wait list and a friend of mine made it off the wait list into the event. So I'm hoping after uh, same day drops, they'll probably hit like 65, maybe even 70 with how popular this event will be. So it's going to be a, you know, a nice, large ITC major event, uh, which there have been very few of the, for the AOS ITC season. So really excited to go out there and get some nice high uh, ITC points. Um Mission, mission packet seems to be pretty uh, similar to a lot of other events. Uh, you know, 
general sandbook missions plus hidden agendas uh realm spells I, realms huh as i say one thing i noticed is that he for his uh only mysterious landscape rules will be applied to terrain pieces that are pre-identified as mysterious hmm so there'll be limited mysterious terrain that is unfortunate i tend to like to play with all of the uh mysterious terrain i have my dice that i like to roll and I always just love playing with a little mechanic. I feel like they bring a really good uh, element to the game, but uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see how it works out. Um, I'm just really excited, uh, really excited to see the Basement Wargamer guys again, uh, hang out with Bill Souza. Uh, I believe Mike Vaganos is going. Uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, this year's Team America is going. Um, oh, so, that sounds fun. Yeah, uh, I think he posted some stats. So we had the lists go up. So all the lists are now available online. Uh, he emailed it to us. I don't know exactly where it is public. I think he posted on Twitter or something. Um, but there's uh, like mo- uh, the highest, most popular armies are Cities of Sigmar, uh, Iron Jaws, and I believe Slanesh might have been the next highest popular. No, one. get out. Yeah. No, that's not, that can't happen. Yeah, but uh, an unpopular with, faction like Hedonites. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm really I'm, I'm eager to see how I think this will be the first major showing outside of in the US of Cities of Sigmar. I know that this last week we have Blood and Glory where Cities took the win, um, but I'm excited to see how Cities will perform. Uh, I have not played against James's list since he has not had the army yet as i um, say hope- nobody's played against this list apparently <laughs> yeah. uh, i'm uh, i'm ex- i'm hopefully we're gonna get some practice games in this week uh with him either proxying or unpainted models or whatever so i can get some practice with cities in um that'd be fun play three that. games on three nights the first night it's all blank bases the next thing is built the third <laughs> night is painted and ready to yeah, go You're i was like, like what the hell <laughs> he doesn't have time to practice he needs to paint and assemble <sighs> That's what a seven-hour drive is for. He's going to learn how to no, paint in the car. No, 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 no. Have you tried assembling and painting while driving? No, uh, dude. That's like- I, my army's painted. That's not my problem. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> so, uh, but no, yeah, uh, I'm I'm really excited. Uh, John, you are a uh, love looking over packets. You might have read this more than me. Is there anything interesting in the packet outside of the mysterious terrain that you've seen? Uh, well, a couple things. This will matter for James. First off, uh, they're encouraging people to bring their own tables and there will actually be a vote for favorite table with prizes going to the person that brought the, uh, the voted favorite play table. So uh, if you're attending this thing and you got a cool home table, go ahead and drag it along with you. Um, it should be noted that best table and best painted scores are due at the end of round four. So maybe James does have a couple rounds to finish up uh, <laughs> painting his army, uh, the classic uh, you know, hobbyist who is painting and winning the tournament at the same time. That'd be pretty baller. And uh, this is one, I think, Garrett, that will probably um, – not even slightly apply to you, <laughs> but selecting the same hidden agenda more than once during the event and or allowing an opponent to complete an objective they would not have been able to complete is cheating. <laughs> and it says that in the packet. <laughs> I mean, realistically, yeah, it should be. Yeah. Uh, but... <sighs> it actually spells it out right there. Yeah, no, I... Uh, I... I agree with that um, because, I mean, if if strength of schedule is used as a uh, metric, 
after battle points, which it usually is. And in these types of, I mean, yeah, I could go on, but that is, it is very important that if you don't have uh, a margin of victory based uh, second uh, hidden agenda system, you have to be very strict about not just letting your opponents take their secondaries because that right? benefits you. No, yeah. So, yes, there's a little ulterior motive. Some people have started to figure that out. And there's one last thing I think that was kind of unique about this packet and that's the last page of the packet is the actual post event feedback sheet and it's uh just a scale of one to five worst to best scenarios used house rules used terrain gaming hall hotel pre-event organization during the event organization and timeliness judge rules and accuracy and prize support available and then it's just an open essay question do you have any specific suggestions for next year's event so I thought that was kind of cool. I like the idea of including a little feedback uh, at the end of the tournament and just, you know, maybe there's a high chance of getting people to actually turn those in by it being part of the packet. So that's, I thought that was kind of a cool thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will say, like, and I mentioned this earlier, but it, this event has been on my radar because I remember in the first year of the AOS ITC, Du Bois GT was one of the largest ITC events I mean, nobody who attended that ended up going to LVO, so it didn't make a huge impact on the final placings. But it was one of those things where it's interesting, just like the first ITC season, there was this random 26-person event, which was like almost the, like the largest event in that first season for the ITC. And I was like, what is this random Du Bois GT when right. I was going through that first season? And the event that you won, best ITC? Yeah, yeah, that that year, the, the year I won best ITC, you know. Um, but yeah, so it was... Uh, <laughs> I, so ever since then, I have been intrigued by this event. So I'm, I'm really excited to finally be able to go. Wow. So, you know, I had forgotten about that, Garrett. So so you won best of ITC and you have a best of faction in 40K and in AOS, right? And yes. of course, I have a best of faction in 40K and AOS. And and Alex, don't you have a best of faction in 40K and, and AOS? I have two best of factions in 40k, one in AOS. Two best of factions. I mean, that's a true champion. Two best of factions. That's amazing. I mean, you know, fruit, but you know. I, I'm, I'm sometimes amazed by the amount of, of real championship uh, winners that we have on, on this podcast here. Oh, my here. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, see where, I see where this is going. I see where this is going. From like a mile away. A from, mile away. From, 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 from orbit. From orbit. Oh, my God. Let him finish. Oh no, I, I'm. It's. I am not going to finish. That's it. <laughs> Shade. Alex, Alex took. Alex took my thunder away. He no, took no, it no. Away. I'm it was zero okay. thunder away. No, 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 no. Yeah. Equal opportunity employer. I'm just. I myself. I myself am just looking forward to the possibility that maybe at the end of end of the season that that our poor. You know, frequent guest host, you know, because he, he hasn't really proven oh his chops God. yet. Jeremy Vessier <laughs> will, will join the ranks of his other champion co-hosts uh, with some kind of, of worthy prize or something that's worth recognition. So I look forward to that day when, when he steps up to uh, what the rest of us are bringing to the table. <laughs> oh. you know my god it's fair it's fair i have i i i, I am not a 
for the audience here. I'm not a big sports guy, but I, I make the same joke about uh, our UFO team uh, because I always refer to the O and the jersey as number zero for the number of trophies that they have. So it's fair. <laughs> it's totally fair. Um, so, you know, it's fine, John. It's fine. I see how it is. When you say best of faction, by the way, you mean like order and stuff, right? You don't mean Yeah, that. yeah. Okay, okay, good. Well, I mean, John's yeah. best of faction is Clan Pestilence. That's true. Oh, well, also, who, who's, whose fault is that, Garrett? What? What do you mean? That his best of faction is Clan Pestilence? No, no, no never mind. Never mind. That's a, that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> oh, that, that is a good conversation for another day, though. Uh, our f- friends and listeners, when Garrett and I have that conversation, we should actually have it as part of our our review of binary versus granular scoring. Uh, th- not that it's related, but it'll be a good little aside in the middle of that conversation. Cause I, I think you'll enjoy the story between Garrett and I, and my winning of uh, clan pestilence that year, <laughs> but we won't cover it now. That's a little teaser for the future. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Um, you know, final, final thoughts on that event. Uh, do you have any kind of, things you're trying to do to prepare for yourself or Garrett, is everything kind of already in line for you? You know, the army's getting painted for you. All you got to do is kind of just get the army and go. Yeah. Well, yeah. So hobby wise, I got this army painted by my good friend, Matthew Barker, wonderful guy, a really good painter in my opinion. Um, And so really excited. I'm actually getting it and seeing it all in person. It's like really really awesome just to see the whole thing in person and get it in stages and i'm just really really excited to play with this army real quick what what is the list what, what's the army tell us a little okay bit about it. yeah so i'm running a sylvaneth gnarl root list uh i have a branch wraith as my general and she has the spirit song staff for the extra cast and then uh, the command trait of gnarl root is whenever your general casts a spell you may heal a uh, gnarl root unit holy within 18 inches d3 wounds um and then i have drycha with regrowth i have a tree lord ancient and he has the gnarl root relic which lets him anytime he casts a spell he rolls 3d6 take the two you want he has virtuous harmony which lets me uh, revive kernoth hunters and spite revenants and stuff um and then i have an arc revenant and then i have three units of five spite revenants in the outcast battalion to get that extra relic uh, that I got a unit of six sword hunters and two units of three bow hunters, a Balewind Vortex, and the Spite Swarm Hive. So uh, the nice thing about Gnarl Root I really enjoy is that units within 12 inches of any wizard reroll ones to hit. So it really lets me spread out my uh, hunters and everybody so they can just be near any wizard instead of being having to be near the Arc Revenant to get reroll ones to hits and then Drycha can get reroll ones to hit with all of her attacks. Um, it's just, it's a really versatile list. Uh, it has good shooting elements, good combat elements and good casting elements. So it kind of really takes advantage of every single phase. Uh, so really, really excited to try out this, uh, see how it goes. So uh, that list sounds really familiar. I don't, I wonder, I wonder where I saw that list. Um, where, I, I don't know. Where could I have seen it before? <laughs> I, I, I don't. I mean, I, I have been using this list for about three weeks now, but <laughs> I, I can't. I, I mean, I know you and I have talked a bunch about it, but I did come up with this one when we were originally talking about Winterleaf lists. 
Uh-huh. It's like it's like he says something like, you know, I changed an artifact right here, and then I and then I changed it back. See, it's my own list. <laughs> I, I used a different font when I printed it. <laughs> was the list you won uh, that tournament? Was it also Gnarlwood? I thought you had Winterleaf in it. No, I didn't even. I had uh, I had Heartwood. Oh, that's right. You had Heartwood for all the rerolls on the uh, Hunters. Yeah, for those bow Hunters. Yeah, I, d- I did take the inspiration of getting two bow units from your list. I was in it. I definitely see the benefit of two bow units and um, a sword unit. Although the way I've been playing the list, I'm probably going to switch to Scythe Hunters, mainly because I play a very defensive style where I launch the Hunters into a woods and let people charge me. Mm. Um, and so the size will just work better. Um, and I'll drop the Spite Swarm Hive. Uh, but I'm stuck with the list I have because of painted models. But yeah, no, really, really liking the list. You should uh, probably keep those swarm, by the way, for early objective scoring for things like dryads or like if you want to jump on an objective. Yeah, I mean, I, I usually, yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, we'll see how this weekend goes. Be a real testament of the list. Yep. I'm really nervous about cities, although I am able to block uh, a lot of line of sight shooting with the woods. Cities. Unless, yeah. unless it's a double, like a heavy dragon like version of the cities, not like a. Shooter. There are two heavy dragon cities lists, and one of them is uh, done by a local out here, Lincoln, who does. I believe Alex, you played against Lincoln with his order uh, shooting list at Nova, so he's a he's a yes, fantastic. Yes, I remember him. Oh man, he's a great guy too. So I'm a little nervous. He is. He's playing um, a. I believe it's Living City dragon uh cities of sigmar list yep. and then there was another double dragon I one think, isn't bill also taking a double dragon cities no list? bill's taking beast claw raiders oh, right. with the marauder mercenary company to bring 80 marauders to a beast claw raider list yes yes wait hold on are they allowing uh new mod tribes or is it old it's no he's using the old beast claw raider book oh <laughs> bill wow. likes playing hard mode yeah, except I think he's he's still gonna. I honestly think Bill will take it. He's just such a good player, oh, yeah. and like seeing, I've seen he's posted um, battle reports on Twitter, and it's like he knows how to play that army well. I'm actually really like I'm trying to strategize. I'm like, okay, how can I beat Bill? And I'm like, I'm just don't. You just don't beat Bill. <laughs> <laughs> just, all right, all right. I'll tell you a secret uh, to beat Bill. You just don't lose to Bill. Change that mentality. Oh. Just don't okay, lose. that's right. Don't try <laughs> just to don't win. Lose. Don't try to win. Just try not to lose. Hey. There we go. <laughs> yeah, if, if you not there lose, may, yeah, I say there may be some very, very deep wisdom in what you just said, Jeremy. <laughs> mm, I, now I need to meditate. <laughs> Where do you think I've been after SoCal? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Well, you know what, Garrett? Good luck on uh, this weekend and uh, bringing those gorgeously painted Sylvaneth to uh, Du Bois GT. And uh, yeah, you know it's it's going to be really exciting for you to report back and and see you know how that event went. Uh, maybe hopefully your cities uh, you know matchups don't happen or happen lightly. Um, I just hope and uh, I just hope Logan wins the event and uh, just put. Oh, dude! I truly hope he does. <laughs> I mean, lo- okay. I'll go over Logan's event before we sign Logan's list that we made for him before we sign off. Yeah, let's so do he's it. Pl- he's playing Tyrants of Blood. Uh, he's bring and he's playing with Blood Lords. So he's got the uh, Exalted Bloodthirster with the Halo of Blood and the four inch extra command trait, and then he has uh, a Bloodthirster Incessant Rage with the Amberglaive, and then a Bloodthirster of Unfettered Fury, 
a unit of 20 bloodletters, two units of 10 uh, blood reavers, two slaughter priests, a blood secretor, and then the wrath axe and bleed and hexes gorgeous skulls. And I will wow. say the thing about blood lords that honestly surprised me, I forgot they reroll ones to wound against heroes. Mm-hmm. So those bloodthirsters against heroes are rerolling ones to hit and wound inherently mm. with no other buffs. Ooh. <clears throat> I like so that. it was That's actually came to a huge surprise. And I like, it was like, wow, like 20 blood letters all of a sudden are rerolling ones to hit and wound against like that, uh, mock crusher. And they just obliterated him. And I was like, Not bad. that was on, that was sub- very unsurprising. Like it's, it's, it's actually kind of a fun, cool list. And I'm really excited to say how Logan does with it. Oh, yeah, that should be fun. Awesome. Great. Yeah, cool. Well, you know, I hope he does great, and I am super excited for you as well. And, uh, yeah, for everyone who, uh, of course, does enjoy this podcast, we do always appreciate and love your feedback. And uh, with that, you can always like us on Facebook or uh, uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, This is going to be Alex, John, Jeremy, and Garrett signing off for the night. So long, and thanks for all the fish. (laughs) winning is not a sometime thing it's an all the time thing you don't win once in a while and you don't do things right once in a while you do them right all the time winning is a habit